Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from deep in the Eublifaris galaxy, on a small planet called Gekonia, east of the albino hills and south of the raging leucistic river, comes the one, the only, Gecko Nation Radio. That's right, everybody. The one, the only, Gecko Nation Radio. I hope everybody's doing good, and I hope your holiday season is great. Um, I'm in a good mood today. I just got the new iPhone, and uh, pretty excited about that. I hope you guys can hear me okay. Uh, for those of you in the chat room, uh, let me know if you can hear me all right. Um, I'm using a new headset, too. Um, tonight is December 22nd. And we have Wally Kern of Supreme Gecko. Now, Wally Kern is, I don't know, in the world of geckos. He's definitely one of the most respected keepers and breeders, and it's an honor to have him with us tonight, of course. Um, I like, what I like about Wally is uh, he's got a very diverse gecko collection. He, not only does he focus on leopard geckos, he's big into cresties, He's got a fondness for those little, tiny, micro geckos, a bunch of different species, and just a really interesting, uh, diverse collection. And he does a lot for the community as well, which I, anybody that gives back to the community uh, is definitely, you know, has my support. So um, we're going to talk to Wally tonight about some of the things that he does. He's doing a, a promote, well, he just did a promotion. Uh, he does a Supreme, Wally's uh, 12 Days of Christmas from Supreme Gecko, where he gives out uh, gifts and people can contribute. So uh, just an awesome thing to do. Um, I want to let you guys know also that due to popular demand, I will be adding music back to Gecko Nation Radio at the end of the episode. So a lot of you guys miss, uh, you know, my instrumentals and my movie scores that I used to play on the lost episodes of Gecko Land. Uh, well, those are going to come back. And tonight uh, I'm going to have a special song that uh, Carla reminded me about on Facebook recently. Uh, so I'm going to play that song at the end of the show. If Carla, if you're listening, you'll know what song it is. And um, I also want to let everybody know that uh, Gecko Nation Radio is a big supporter of Herpentine Radio. And Justin and JD were my inspiration to de- develop my own radio shows. So uh, please check them out on Blog Talk and on Facebook. And um, if you guys uh, would help out and uh, help them win the uh, the Reptile Report uh, Best Radio Show of the Year award. That would be really cool. Um, they've been going strong for two years now and have a really great unbiased radio show with just a d- big diversity of different guests. And I don't know if you're into the reptile community and you want to, you know, learn a little bit about all different areas of it. That's the show to listen to. And, and I, there's a lot of great radio shows. Um, so just, you know, whatever one you want to check out, check them out. Um, another thing I wanted to mention, in addition to the U.S. Herpetocultural Alliance, Gecko Nation Radio also supports U.S. ARC. And if you guys want to learn about grassroots advocacy and how to take charge in your own state and local levels, definitely follow Andrew Wyatt's blog and um, the newsletter at Herp Alliance. Uh, you can go to their website. is www.usherp.org. 
And it seems that U.S. ARC is taking the initiative now. And um, Andrew Wyatt, I remember he said something on his episode us that he was trying to convince U.S. ARC when he was with them to file suit uh, against um, uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife uh, to, you know, for their additions to the Lacey Act and all that. Um, so I, it looks like they finally did it, but they're going to need the money to uh, raise, you know, to pay these lawyers and everything. And it's going to be a lot of money, guys. We're talking like 500 grand just to start. And um, a lot of people have been doing great work uh, raising money on Facebook, I've been seeing lately. And uh, Steve and I were talking, and we're going to put something together uh, with Echo Nation Radio as well to raise money for the U.S. ARC Legal Defense Fund. But if you guys have a few bucks and Actually, if, any, if everybody in the community just donated 10 or 20 bucks, they would have the money they need to protect our rights. Go to the U.S. ARC page and donate. It's www.usarc.org. Okay. As you guys know, Gecko Nation Radio just picked up an awesome new sponsor, none other than the world's largest worm farm, and that's Rainbow Mealworms. Now, all of our sponsors are terrific people and businesses, and... I stand behind them 100%. Check these guys out. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. Gecko Nation Radio is sponsored by... Rainbow Mealworms is the largest worm grower in the world and selling to the public since 1956. If you need the highest quality mealworms, superworms, and crickets for your pets, contact them at www.rainbowmealworms.net. Gecko Boa Reptiles is your source for the highest quality leopard gecko morphs and wild types, from white and yellows to radars, amazing tremper morphs, and rare subspecies. John is a world-class breeder and extremely knowledgeable. If you're looking for something truly special in geckos, contact John Scarborough at geckoboa.com and on Facebook. ABDragons.com is your source for the highest quality doobie roaches, whether you're starting a colony of your own or just need feeders for your insect-eating herps. ABDragons.com can't be beat in quality or price. They are also a huge distributor of FlexWatt reptile heat tape and have very competitive pricing. Check out ABDragons.com online and on Facebook. Dale's Bearded Dragons is your one-stop source for any reptile supply products that you may need. From Exoterra, Zoomed, Rapashi, Repcal, Fluker, and much, much more. And all at 20 to 50% cheaper than your local pet store or big chain pet store. They are also the biggest reptile supply distributor at most of the Northeast Expos. Contact them directly online at dalesbeardeddragons.com or message me on Facebook and I'll put you in touch with the owner. And if you're looking for quality food for your dubia roaches, crickets, mealworms, and superworms, Look no further than MS2 Premium Insect Chow. Made with reptiles in mind, it contains no dog food, cat food, or chicken mash. Using only vegetable proteins and high-quality ingredients, MS2 Premium Insect Chow will have your feeders making a beeline for it. Contact ms2ent.weebly.com or it can also be purchased at Rainbow Mealworms and AB Dragons. Okay, everybody, uh, before uh, we get going tonight, I want to let everybody know that tonight is the last night to order a rack or incubator from Sea Serpents and Hotbox Incubators. As you guys know, they sponsored 
the roundtable discussion. And um, they're going to be giving discounts on your orders um, up until tonight. So get them in. If you wanted to pick up somebody, you know, a gift for somebody or a rack or an incubator, now's your chance to do it, and you'll get a good one at a, at a good discount. And, of course, they have genuine FlexWatt heat tape installed. Uh, their website is www.seaserpents.com. All right. Now, there's one more thing that I have to tell all you new gecko enthusiasts about. And for those of you guys that are tuning into this show two, three, four years from now, I am sure Gecko Forums is still going to be around. Check this out. Did you know that since 2006, there's been a treasure trove of history and information on leopard geckos and other species? Well, Gecko Forums is the most extensive database of leopard gecko history on the web right now. Take a look and delve into the past, present, and future of this great community. The biggest contributors, breeders, and hobbyists have left their mark there. Now it's your turn. Look, learn, and post away. Need a place to post animals for sale? Look no further. Visit geckoforums.net and become a member today. Gecko Nation Radio is proud to be the official radio show associated with Gecko Forums. All right, awesome, everybody. Let's go ahead and bring on Mr. Wally Kearns of Supreme Gecko. Wally, you are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hey, David. How are you doing? I'm good. I messed up on your name. It's Wally Kern, not Kearns. I have a friend that has a last name Kearns. Sorry about that, Wally. <laughs> I'm called a lot of stuff, so uh, <laughs> Wally is fine. <laughs> awesome. Uh, for people that don't know you, Wally, and you know, if, if you don't know who Wally is, you're probably living under a, uh, a rock in the gecko world somewhere. Um, Wally, please tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Sure. Um, I'll give you a little bit of a background about me personally. Um, I mm -hmm. went to school for computers and uh, got a great job with uh, a company starting out as a, a programmer and uh, have worked my way through um, for over 30 years. And uh, I design systems, I implement systems, um, computer systems, and just love my job. Uh, it's hard to uh, to think about not doing that as a living, even though I, I love geckos and uh, maybe one day when I retire, maybe focus full time on geckos. But right now, I I can't say enough that you know to to younger people, you know, find a job that you you love and you don't never have to work a, a day in your life. And that's exactly what I do for a living. Um, as far as geckos, uh, just real quick history. I started out just like probably nine out of ten kids uh, wading in the pond down the the block and uh, the creek and looking for crayfish uh, and tadpoles and keeping them in a uh, little 10-gallon tank in the, the bedroom. And uh, I went from there to uh, really get in, getting uh, closer to nature uh, because my uh, parents moved to a, a lake. Um, and uh, I'd get out every day and fish. And from there, I turned that 10-gallon aquarium into um, a true fish tank and kept little bluegills and bass just to watch their behavior. I, I became fascinated with uh, the behavior of fish and how they acted, uh, how they reacted to each other, um, how they acted when they were fed, um, just all kinds of behavior. I, I just really got into that. And, you know, again, just like probably most uh, kids that eventually wind up uh, in some type of a, an animal hobby, um, that, that's how it started. So, 
from there, I entered uh, early adulthood and started keeping tropical fish. That one tank became two tanks, which soon became a dozen tanks, which eventually became a hundred and I don't even know how many, 125 tanks. Anywhere from oh two and a half gallons for, yeah, it, it became an obsession. It was crazy. Um, it wasn't so much a cha challenge to keep all the different fish. It was a challenge to see how many fish tanks I could keep in the smallest area. And you know how that is. You know, I'd, I'd come upstairs with a, a tape measure in my hand and a pencil and a and my wife would look at me and just shake her head. No more, please, no more. Um, I had designs and being in computers, you know, I way over-analyzed over everything. And uh, I had it down to the inch where I, if the furnace ever blew out, I could maneuver around the fish tanks and down the hall and around another tank and I could get it out of the house without moving any of it. Oh, that's funny. Wally, you're breaking up a little bit. Can you hear me okay? I can't hear you, Wally. You there? No, you're you're breaking in and I, out. But why don't you give us a call back in from a different line? All right, cool. All right, hang tight, everybody. Wally's going to call back in. Um, yeah, I, I can't hear him. I don't know about you guys in the chat room. Can you hear him? Yeah, I don't hear him at all anymore. He was coming in and out a little bit. Yeah, they're saying they can't hear him. Okay, just give him a second, guys. He'll call back in. Um, you know, we, we talk a lot about leopard geckos on this show, and I think tonight it's going to be fitting that we mix it up a little bit. And I actually really like crested geckos, and I know Wally's really big into cresties. So I want to pick his brain a little bit tonight uh, and focus a little bit on cresties during the first part of the show. And then... After that, we'll get into some of the micro geckos, uh, like especially like E. agricoli. Those are really cool. Um, and I think Wally wants to give out some gifts tonight for our listeners. And uh, I think what we'll do is we'll take calls in the second half of the show, and um, we'll see what Wally wants to do as far as um, gifts go, and we'll definitely make that available to you guys. Um, for all you guys in the chat room, uh, thanks for stopping by tonight. That's awesome. And I know it's a busy time of year. I was out and about shopping today, and it was kind of crazy. But I'm happy to be home and relaxing now and doing the show, of course. And uh, and don't forget, we got Steve coming on in a few minutes to do the news. And uh, just got to wait for Wally to call back in. For those of you guys in the chat room, uh, do you have anything in particular that you'd like to uh, hear uh, from Wally tonight? Any specific uh, species that he keeps? Uh, that you guys are interested in, because I'll be happy to, uh, you know, focus on stuff that, you know, you guys like, too. Yeah, I'm totally winging it. <laughs> I'm not used to talking to myself on air, but, uh, you know what, let me go bring Steve on for the heck of it while we're waiting for Wally. One second. <laughs> Good evening, Gekonians. Good evening, Steve. We got Wally back on the line. Hang tight one second. All right. Wally, you with us? David, can you hear me now? Uh, I, I can hear you, yes. Awesome. Say something else just so I can be sure. I hope this is coming in a little bit clearer than the previous call. 
Yep, you're good. Okay, cool. Now, Wally, before okay, sorry about into, that. No, that's quite all right. Before we get into the into your uh, interview tonight, um, we always do the news, of course, and uh, I have to make you aware that Steve is a trickster, and what we do is we have he gives us a bunch of news stories, and one of them is a false story. I don't know which one's false. Nobody in the chat room knows which one's false. Only Steve does. Now, every episode, Steve adapts, and he's like the board. He changes things. So you'll never know his style. You'll never be able to get it down. So I just want to make you aware of that, okay? Oh, this, this sounds like fun. <laughs> cool. All right. And, Steve, and if the stories are about thing. me, it's probably true. <laughs> no, he's not. he doesn't do anything like that. It's just general oh. reptile-related stuff. <laughs> Go ahead, Steve. All right. Our first story, U.S. Ark filed a lawsuit Thursday to overturn the ban on the import and interstate travel of Burmese pythons, northern and southern Africa py- African pythons, and yellow anacondas. And in the article it quoted, This is a powerful day for the reptile nation as we fight to protect your rights to pursue your passion and defend your businesses against unwarranted and unnecessary government intrusion. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. And um, go to www.usark.org to help help fight and donate. Yep. Cool. But yeah, not just so you know, I'm a little under the weather today, so you have to bear with me. Okay. Um <clears throat> a fire at the San Antonio Zoo killed a Komodo dragon and five other reptiles. It is estimated that the rebuild will cost $100,000, and the fire was caused by a shorted hot mat and a problem with the breaker box. Jeez. So they they lost uh, a couple of pythons, the Komodo dragon, and I believe a couple of lizards lost in it, but the total damage of the building and everything... The repair is going to be right around a hundred thousand. That's terrible. If they were yeah. using a FlexWatt heat net, it would have just melted into a pile of goo and canceled out, and there would have been no fire. Yep. And that fire, that fire leads us into the next story, where a couple in the UK escaped from their home with a pet tortoise after their other pet tortoise bit and short shorted out a heat mat. The tortoise was electrocuted and a fire ignited. Fortunately, only the enclosure was burned. So the, their house was okay. But they had Yeah, that's it. funny. That's weird that you bring that up. I've seen people with these tortoise pens, and, yeah, the cords are totally exposed, and they're inside the pen. And I always wondered, like, what would happen if they mistook that for food of some kind? And I guess yeah. there it is. Yep. Wow. <laughs> Okay, and our next story, historically, only three species of crocodiles were recognized in Africa. Nile crocodiles, dwarf crocodiles, and the slender-snouted crocodile. A study in 2009 revealed there are three species of dwarf crocodile, 
And in 2011, Nile crocodiles were discovered to be two different species. Now, what was thought to be a single species of slender snouted crocodile is actually two species based on genetics. So they actually, there's two species there, a western and a central slender snouted crocodile. So that's cool. Interesting. Yeah, cool. That's right. Definitely. Okay. And sticking with crocodilians, in Florida, of course, (laughs) a man in Miami tried to barter for a 12-pack of beer with a four-foot alligator (laughs) and and received charges from the Florida Fish and Wildlife Commission for illegally capturing the reptile. So apparently he wanted to trade a four-foot alligator for a 12-pack of beer. (laughs) You know, the alligators that I've seen at Hamburg are like 80 bucks. He should have at least tried to went for a case of beer. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or at least, or two cases. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's funny. Unbelievable. And our our last story, also in Florida, Davenport, Florida, a bearded dragon was found on a highway. They believe the lizard is a local resident's pet and can be retrieved from the Dav- Davenport Animal Rescue. Hmm. So. Ah. Bearded, dra- bearded dragon found loose. I wonder whatever happened to that uh, Savannah monitor that was living under that guy's shed. Um, yeah, I don't know. He's probably still there. <laughs> yeah. Huh. At, right. at that time, he couldn't get anybody. Uh, you know, at the time of the news, he couldn't. He couldn't get anybody to come come get it. So, who knows? <laughs> it might still be there. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. All right. Any more stories, Steve? Nope, that was our last story, and I'll give you the recap. The recap right. is reptile group U.S. Ark sues to overturn Python Man. Mm-hmm. Kom- Komodo Dragon and five other reptiles die in fire. Couple mm-hmm. flee. Couple flees house after tortoise starts fire. Mm-hmm. African African crocodiles are actually seven species. Mm-hmm. Buying beer with a gator, and bearded dragon found on highway. One okay. of those are a false story. All right, I'm looking in the chat room, guys. What do you think? You guys, give us your answers, and uh, of course, we'll ask Wally. He's our guest. Uh, Wally, which one do you think is the false story? Well, I don't know which one's false, but an interesting tidbit about that trading beer for the uh, for the animal. It didn't go through because it was uh, actually a trade for uh, Pabst Blue Ribbon. So, you know, the owner didn't want Pabst Blue Ribbon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you if you asked for, uh, I guess, um, I don't know, what's a better brand, Bud Light or something, it would have probably went. There you go. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> I'm a Guinness man myself, but okay. Yeah, he just didn't have the right. Just well, didn't have the right gear. Story? I know. Which story do you think is fake, though, Wally? Oh, um, how about how about the? I can't get the beer and the alligator story off my mind. How about that one? Okay. All right. Wally's <laughs> going to go with the beer and gator. 
I'm going to go with, um, wow, it's a tough call between the tortoise one. And, and, and keep in mind, Wally, sometimes Steve will, part of the story will be true, and he'll change, you know, another part of it to make it half true and half false. He's, he's really tricky like that. So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that. Between, <laughs> I'm kind of torn between the tortoise story and the bearded dragon. Um, I think I'm going to go, a lot of people are saying the tortoise story. They're saying they hope it is. Wow, most people are saying the tortoise. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to go, I'm going to go with, um, you know, I don't know. That tortoise sounds like it could happen. I'm going to go with the, the bearded dragon story. All right, Steve, which one is the fake story? The bearded dragon story is fake. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. I was yep. hoping I was wrong. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Most people were saying the tortoise. Yeah. In the chat room. And the uh, I saw somebody wanted to know where the Komodo dragon burned. That was San Antonio. I saw that in the chat room somewhere. But it yeah, was San, I saw that San, on Facebook. San Antonio. Okay, for our yeah. herp history, <clears throat> on August 6, 1952, the Arizona Desert Museum had the only lizard in history to lay eggs in captivity, and it was a chuckwalla. That's so, awesome. August 6, 1952. You know, chuckwallas oh, are some cool. of the most intelligent lizards, from what I hear. Yeah, I don't, they look cool. I've never had any experience with them, but they yeah. look really cool. There's a video going around on Facebook right now of, and I think I shared it as well, of somebody and their pet Chuckwalla, and it's literally rolling over so that they can uh, rub its belly, kind of like a dog would. <laughs> uh, it's, it's really cool. Uh, check it out on my Facebook page, everybody. Uh, David's Fine Geckos. There's a space between each uh, each word. Um all right, Steve, why don't you tell us uh, what's going on in your, in your collection? Um, not too much. Uh, I had a, a lock-up with the one dinker uh, a oh, couple cool. nights ago, the, the one, the dinker I got from you. So I had a lock-up, yep. and I just I decided to go with the lesser, okay. the lesser male, male bread tour to see what happens. Cool, but yeah. He, they, they locked up, like... Within an hour, I went back and checked, and they were locked up. So, hopefully, that's a good nice. sign. Yeah, that is. That's cool. So, what, how many eggs do you think she can produce at her weight? I'd say five or six easily. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Cool. Yep. Because she's she's nearing sixteen hundred grams. So mm-hmm. she's getting she's putting on weight fast now, and she's taking. You think you're gonna- She's eating yeah, do you like think you're gonna crazy. make it to the Okay, do you think you're gonna make it to the White Plains show? Uh the next one, probably not. No? Okay. No. No, I'd like to, but yeah. I got so much going on right now. <laughs> I hear you. But crazy time. Alright, well cool. Steve, if there's nothing else, please give out your uh, information so people can find you online. Um you can Check me out on Facebook and YouTube under BC Barker Creations. All right. Awesome. Thanks again for the great story, Steve, and we'll, we'll see you next week. All right. Thank you.
All right. Later, bud. I'll see you. All right. Got to love Steve. He's doing a great job with the news, and I love the Herp uh, history segment. Um, all right, Wally. I've been telling everybody that, you know, we do a lot of shows here uh, on Gecko Nation Radio about leopard geckos because, you know, we're hardcore leopard gecko people. And uh, and I know you work with them. Um, I think tonight, though, I'd like to switch it up a little bit, uh, partly because of some selfish reasons. I'm actually getting a little bit interested into crested geckos. And I think it would be a nice uh, change uh, to talk a little, about, a little bit about Cresties, and I know you're really big into them. How does that sound? That sounds like a great idea. I would love to. Um, I just want to say real quick, that was really interesting, the in- information that Steve provided. That's really cool that you're doing that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's it, it's basically his idea uh, uh, with the, the Herp history. And uh, he just he does a great job every week with the news. And, of course, he does all the videos, uh, the promo vids and everything, and just a, just a huge contribution to the show. So, you know, it's just information. a really cool thing. Definitely. Yeah. So um, let me ask this. Why why the interest in crested geckos? Um, well, I'm not just getting cur- bored Just curious how it started with you. Okay. Yeah. No, that's cool. Um, what really caught my eye, and I don't know if it, it, it's like an actual morph or not, but there's this, there's this breeder that's at the White Plains show. And he's not like a huge name or well-known guy, but he's he's done some incredible breeding with this, I guess it's a Halloween, they call it a Halloween morph, but it's much more bold than that. It's hard to describe. It's the most colorful crested gecko I've ever seen. And in the past, I wasn't too thrilled about, like, how their body was designed and everything and like how they kind of just jump out of your hand a lot when you hold them. Mm-hmm. But... When I, when I saw this look on this, this particular morph that this um, private breeder was working on, I was just, I was, like, struck by it. And, um, you know, it just got me thinking about them. And it, it's been about six months now, and I, I picked up one uh, from the breeder, and it's, it's, it's not his best quality one, but it's definitely from that project. And um, I don't know what the name of it is. In fact, I'll try to look and see online. Um, what the name is while we're talking. But uh, that's pretty much why. He's a male, so I haven't picked up a female yet because I haven't found one that's, um, you know, similar to him. And that's what I wanted to talk about. Like, um, a lot of these crested gecko morphs are very interesting, and I I don't know how the genes work. Um, So that's pretty much going to (laughs) be... And maybe, I don't know if you guys know either, but that's that's my first question is, what are these genetics like compared to lesser geckos? David, that's an excellent, excellent question. I'm gonna I'm gonna backtrack just a couple of steps. And you're mm-hmm. you're interested in crested your interest in crested geckos is exactly like everybody else's. They see the one animal that looks really cool, different colors, outstanding. It sounds like this fellow that um, brought the animals to the White Plains has some outstanding examples of crested geckos, especially that Halloween crested gecko, real bright colors and you know outstanding contrast. So. You know, everybody's, I think everybody's addiction to crested gecko starts the same way. They see that one fascinating animal, be it a red or a pinstripe or a Halloween or, you know, a super Dalmatian or one of the, the different morphs or even a basic normal crested gecko. And they see the animal jumping. They learn about their care, how easy it is. 
and they they start down that path of keeping crested geckos. And just like my obsession with tropical fish, where it was one, two, then twelve, and then one hundred and twenty-five, it's easy to get uh, a little bit uh, nuts on the crested geckos because they are so easy to care for and take care of in normal room temperatures, no special lighting or or heat, and they eat the um, the crested gecko diets that are out there. And, uh, you know, super, super easy to breed, um, super easy to hatch the eggs. And it's just a really easy hobby to get into. Um, but I think that once somebody is into the hobby and they're keeping a pair or two or three, um, then they start becoming more interested in the morphs, just like you're, you're leading on to here. And um, you start, I guess, funneling into one or two or uh, a number of the different morphs as, you know, a specialty. Um, I tend to go after uh, my favorite color is red, um, and I tend to add, try to add red to just about everything that I'm doing. Um, so I started off with a real high red line and then started um, breeding that into Dalmatians and breeding that into pinstripes and trying to get um, the the best different morph but with red in it. Uh, one of my favorite animals is the red harlequin, which is the red background and the really, really high harlequin colors. And when you see one in person and it fires up, it's just a incredible animal to look at, I, I feel. But again, you know, that's my, my personal uh, choice. Um, mm-hmm. As far as morphs, as far as genetics, it's complicated. <laughs> it's not uh, easy because you can take two brown animals, breed them together, and get a red. You can take two brown animals, breed them together, and get a pinstripe. You can take two pinstripes, breed them together, and most of the time you're going to get either a full pinstripe or you're going to get a partial pinstripe. But sometimes you can get a harlequin. It's just, it's not like leopard geckos where where you can take A plus A equals A. A plus B equals part A and part B and hets and codominance and crusty geckos just aren't that way anymore or i shouldn't say anymore they're they just don't have that the genetics um behind them um it's it's kind of tough to predict that's interesting and i and this is my theory on it and you could tell me how you feel and and maybe they've discovered this or not but um I, when i was younger i remember when crested geckos were first coming on the scene and they were very expensive i'm sure you remember those days too and mm-hmm. um, yeah, and what I think is is happening is kind of like I think they have all these genes in them because of their location. They just they've just bred, and it's just really difficult for us to basically dissect those genetics and separate them at this point. Um, what do you think? I think you're right on. I think that the genes are there. Um, they're just not coming, you know, out of thin air. They're all all there, and, you know, as I said, you know, you can breed two normal-looking animals and get a pinstripe. Well, somewhere in that line, going back a generation, two, three, four generations, those animals had pinstripes somewhere in there. And and maybe, like you're alluding to, maybe the pinstriping, you know, characteristic has been there all, all along. It's really hard to say. There are no um, real predictable outcomes with breeding crusty geckos. I have, um, I was real lucky when I started out. I bought a um, pair of pinstripes from a known breeder, a a really uh, good breeder, and uh, 
from that pair, I get about 90% full pinstripes, which is a little bit unusual. Most, you know, true uh, full pinstripes won't give you that that many babies with full pinstripes. But um, this pair turned out for me, luckily. But I have other pairs of pinstripes that will give me typically 50 or 60% uh, full pinstripes. And then again, you know, some of the babies will have partial pinstripes, and once in a while they'll throw a normal. So. It's all so unpredictable. It's kind of crazy. You know, yeah, I just I just was looking on your Facebook page. And by the way, um, guys listening in the chat room, you got to check out his Facebook page and his photos if you want to see a bunch of different beautiful crested geckos. I put a link in the chat room to the one, uh, to one that I have that's very similar uh, to what I have. It's, on the, uh, it's in the top picture, everybody. So if you guys want to – and you could also use that link to – uh, follow it to his his page. Um, now, what what my next question is like, have you found that any of these uh, morphs or traits can be line bred? Perfect. Next question. Um, when I started out, you know, I, I got the the pair of pinstripes, and I found that um, that was a pretty dependable uh, characteristic that they were passing along this full pinstripe. But I also, again, you know, I, I said before, but I, I really, really like the reds. So mm-hmm. I started working with reds, again, back eight, nine years ago. Uh, some of my first crested geckos were, were reds, trying to establish that really intense red color. And uh, I would get maybe 25% or so that really of the babies that would have that red characteristic. And then over the years, at this point, I'm, I'm around probably... 75% of the babies that will have red, that real dark red, the really nice, brilliant red. So I, I don't think it's anything scientific. It's all speculation, you know, on my part. So, you know, I certainly wouldn't put it out there and say I've established this this red line. And But uh, I think, and again, this is my personal thought, that the more you work and the more, um, you know, line breeding, typical line breeding you do, I think you bring out those colors and those those characteristics. I think you really have to work with it, and it might not be something that you know um, a red uh, male and a red female give you a red baby, but maybe taking that baby back up to mom or dad, and maybe that second generation gives you more of that that characteristic. Interesting. I think that um, there are yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, I think that there are some of these characteristics that, that are more workable, more prevalent if you keep working them. One that I, I just can't put my fingers on at all, and there's a couple of people that have just beautiful, beautiful uh, examples, is the uh, Super Dalmatian. Um, there's a lady on, I think she's on the East Coast, Katie, Katie's Crested, that has just unbelievable, you know, Super Dalmatian. And a Super Dalmatian is an animal that has larger um, spots, black spots, and more prevalent uh, black spots. So a lot of people will kind of turn their nose to a Dalmatian animal, some, you know, gecko, some crested gecko with some dots. But when you see one of these super Dalmatians with, that are just covered with these ink spots, it's really a sight to see. And, and it's hard. It's hard to come up with those super Dalmatians. So I think that that's one characteristic that's really, really tough to put your fingers on. Hmm. I just shared a picture of the ghost uh, uh, on your page, and you have a, 
a quote here. Oh no, I have a ghost in my house. And this this crested <laughs> is like a, uh, it's like a, a light grayish white, almost like a pinkish hue. Uh, just incredible. Um, you know, as you know, we don't have a true um, leucistic leopard gecko. Um, is there anything like that with cresteds, or is it, is it, are the are the morphs more or less, um, like we were saying, they're like more like traits, but they're not actual. Have you found any that are like that work as a recessive or a codom or um, anything like that, Wally? Not, from my knowledge, no, I haven't. Um, Matt Parks is working with a very very unique animal. I think that if anybody's listening, they'll they'll know about this animal. It's a piebald, and it's really super different looking. And it's something that the listener should should go ahead and go over to uh, PNG and take a look at this animal. It's really is that one of the zero? first. Yes, yes, it is. Um, it's on it's your really page. one I'm of the first. Yeah, please, yes, absolutely. Um, as uh, this animal is just really different than the other crested geckos that have come come through and and uh, been identified. And one thing that I want to uh, point out, you mentioned the uh, the lighter colored the ghost crested gecko and. Some people call them moon glows. It's, that's where it gets to be a little bit tricky. Crested geckos um, normally are pretty plain colored um, when they're at rest during the day. Um, when they, um, it, it's not uncommon for them to color up, to fire up, and look completely different than um, their normal coloration. Uh, you can take an animal like I have several downstairs that are pretty grayish, brownish, uh, yellow, and with the right conditions, you know, introduction to, a ma- you know, introducing a male and a female or uh, temperature change or feeding or misting or a combination of all of these uh, events, the animal will fire up and show their brilliant, brilliant reds or you know, in your uh, example, the Halloween patterns and the high contrasting and really show off. Um, the moon glow and the ghost, there are some people that feel that that's just the opposite. It's an unfired yellow or an unfired, um, maybe an unfired gray. It's just downsized its, its coloration. Um, there's a lot of controversy about the moon glow, and especially if, if you see one on sale and, and somebody will buy it and they'll get it in and, and, you know, you see posts about, well, this isn't a moon glow, it's colored up and it's now yellow. And my feeling is that to find an animal that, that's that light and that colorless is pretty tough uh, to, see, to find one that actually is like that normally. Um, I think it's just a... a um, situation where they're firing up and firing down to the extreme. Hmm. Interesting. Um, and that's, yeah. that leads me to my next question. Now, when you hear about Cresties, you hear about, okay, he's not fired up right now, or check him out, he's really fired up. Um, when I was younger, <laughs> I kept uh, some of my first lizards were anoles, and, you know, sometimes they'd be green, sometimes they'd be brown, sometimes they'd have a little other, you know, they'd be like a grayish color. Um, when they when they fire up, is it more about temperature or is it mood or is it both? What is it that makes them fire up or change their colors? It's a combination. It really can be. I have 
some animals downstairs that um, have to be just the right combination. It's always a, a point of, you know, adding a male to a female and they're going to change colors, just like any reptiles, just like the, the example you gave. Um, that's usually going to kick off these colors and, and really uh, make those colors intense. It's the animal behaving to the, the opposite sex and showing off. Um, but like you're saying, there could be other stimuli like temperature or I found that when I do shows, um, especially the Tinley Park show in the fall, the, the temperature changed because it's a little cooler here in Wisconsin and in Chicago. Um, I'll put them in styrofoam boxes and everything, but, you know, there's going to be a little bit of a, of a temperature drop, and I miss the enclos- or enclosure. I miss the deli cups and that extra moisture and extra cool um, coolness to their, their deli cups will make them fire up. So it's always a challenge for me to, to try to keep them unfired up as long as I possibly can before that show starts. But then once the show starts, then, okay, guys, let's, let's go. Let's turn on the lights and, and let's show off. So it's always that uh, trying to get them in their best um, display characteristics, and sometimes it works, and and sometimes it doesn't. Um, there's a lot of friends where I'll have multiple boxes for shows. I'll keep some dark and you know out of uh, under the table, and midway through a show, I'll I'll take the box out and and kind of dig through the animals and, and the deli cups and see if I can find a couple that are really fired up. Uh, of course, about 99% of the time, it's when we bring them back home and I'm putting them away, that's the point that they realize that they should fire up and show their death. <laughs> of course, right? Of course. <laughs> I was, you know, maybe I can ask you a small favor. Um, I'm really interested to see what a really impressive crested gecko looks like when it is fired up and also what it looks like when it's totally not. Maybe you could, if you if you have anything like that, maybe you could post it in the, in the Gecko Nation group, if you don't mind, uh, at your convenience. Uh, sure. Could you do something like that? I sure could. And you'll find pictures. I, I saw, I was on Facebook a little bit today, and I, I saw a couple of uh, pictures of posts where um, somebody is showing the, the comparison between an, um, a non-fired up animal and a fired up animal. So you'll see posts like that in Facebook often. But um, generally, when people are posting their crusts, of course, they're, they're waiting for the optimum time and taking pictures, you know, with these animals just completely fired up. The page that you were looking at earlier from our uh, Supreme Gecko fan page, that page was from our uh, 12 Supreme Days of Christmas, and one of the, one of the giveaway um, tasks was to nominate a uh, crested gecko or leopard gecko for our Hall of Fame. I have a little... Uh, page on Pinterest that I keep uh, some examples of some of the most unique or most beautiful animals I consider in the hobby. And uh, I wanted these uh, posts, these pictures uh, provided so that I could add an animal to our Hall of Fame. And I think we got, oh gosh, about 60 animals nominated uh, for the Hall of Fame. And we picked one and and posted it to Pinterest and you know, gave out a prize, a, uh, a gift, and uh, but that that page on our Supreme Gecko fan page is showing off some really, really super fired up animals. They're the the task of trying to identify the best of the best was 
almost nearly impossible for me. I, I probably spent two hours going through all these pictures, and boy, I really like this characteristic, but wow, look at this gargoyle. I've never seen a gargoyle like that. And my goodness, look at these leopard geckos that somebody posted. They're, they're inc- it was just a, a horrendously t- difficult task to pick the best. I can imagine. And and let me just uh, go on a little tangent here for a second, Wally. Um, sure. Something that's, that I find very admirable, and it's, it's something that I try to do as well uh, with this show. You... You you enjoy this so much that you're not threatened by competition in the sense where uh, you will include other breeders in your um, promotions. Like uh, you you graciously allowed me to be part of your 12 days of Christmas. And if you want, we could talk a little bit about that. But you know, there's a lot of breeders and people out there that are very uh, competitive minded. Where they um, you know they would probably feel threatened about you know posting somebody's el- somebody else's animals or links on their site or on their page, but I, I see that you don't have any problem doing that, and I think that's a, a, a stage of enlightenment, that, that you, you realize something, the bigger picture, and I, and I get that, believe me. Um, I, I, can, I can completely you, agree. You do, David. Can, yeah, I think can you, you do. Us, a, yeah. Can you, can you tell us why you do it and why, why you feel comfortable doing it? I sure can, and I'll share this. I'll try to keep it real short, but uh, the very first show that uh, reptile show that I ever did, um, I put out my animals and I had sexed these leopard geckos at home and and uh, I had temperature sex, temperature uh, hatched them to be females. Um, they were lower and I thought for sure that I had all females. I brought them to the show and here I've got oh I don't know probably about 30 leopards and I start going through them and I'm seeing bulges in every single one of them oh my god what do I do they're all males I have them priced for females and I have all these labels marked and so I started going through all the labels and looking at the geckos one at a time and it's now 10 minutes before the start of the show and and I'm frantically you know marking all these and trying to check them yep there's another male oh my gosh there's another male fat big bulge and, and I'm doing all this and uh, the uh, table next to me was another leopard gecko breeder. His name is uh, Jeremy Lucky, and uh, he's, and you probably know him, but he's since um, gotten out of the hobby. But he walked over, and again, 10 minutes before the show, most vendors are trying to do their final preparation and everything, getting ready for customers coming through. He walks away from his table, walks over to mine, Wally, well, what are you doing? because I had talked to him before and I had purchased some animals. And, um, Jeremy, I've, I've got a real issue. I've, I've sexed these animals wrong. I, I thought they were all females. They're all males. Why do you think they're all males? Well, they're showing a bulge. And he picks up one. Two seconds later, he says, no, these, these are females. What do you mean they're females? They, they can't be. They have a bulge. Well, Wally, they have a bulge because you're feeding them too much. You're making them fat. <laughs> That's why they have bulges. <laughs> and he did it in such a jokingly way and such a sincere way, um, he went above and beyond, and he took that step past the line as a, a fellow competitive breeder that he didn't have to. And from that point on, you know, I kind of, I kind of got it that it's not about the money. It's about the, the hobby, and it's about the animals. Um, I've, I've told our kids, uh, my sons have helped us at shows. I, I think I've told you this story before, but the very first show that we did, um, we got done with the show, and one of them asked, how much did we make? And 
I kind of stopped them in their tracks and said, that, that will never, ever, ever be an issue. It's, it's how many people did we help? How many people did we talk to? How many people did we show off these beautiful animals to? And that, that was our, our focus from that very first show on. So it's all about, I think, it's all about paying it forward and uh, helping the community and, I think, helping each other. If I don't have the gecko that you're looking for, you know, if you're looking for something specific, I'm going to go online and I'm going to work to try to find you whomever has that gecko so that you're a satisfied customer. And my hope is that in the future maybe you'll come back to me and order a gecko or food or suppliers or whatever because you get that good feeling about the hobby. So that's, that's kind of my philosophy. So, you know, I love that philosophy. And that's, it's, it's a really difficult philosophy for some people to adopt um, and I have to tell you, when I was a kid, I wasn't always um, so pay-it-forward-minded. I was the typical selfish, you know, kid, and um, I wasn't really raised with those. I was raised with good values, don't get me wrong, but I wasn't raised, you know, to, to be paying it forward so much. And uh, it, it's definitely something that I've really been working on over the last 10 uh, to 15 years myself. And I have to tell you, Wally, um, you know, being in this hobby and, I've experienced uh, a lot of great, great things, and I've also experienced some bad things. Of course, you know there are there are some pitfalls to avoid. There definitely are some uh, breeders to uh, to avoid, and you have to you kind of learn along the way. And I've definitely figured out who the good people in this are by getting screwed by all the bad ones. And um, <laughs> when when you when you find the good people, and you can. And you work together, and you help to promote each other. You everybody wins, and no no one person can do it all by themselves. They need to they need to, to work together. We all need to work together if we're going to survive. If we're going to all do well, and and trust me, it's the it's the better, funner way to do things. If you're always competing yeah. and you're always you know at war with another breeder or another guy, that's that's a lot of negative energy. That's you know that's going to stress you out, and yeah. you know, you, right? Um, but you know, you and, get and it, with David. Radio show, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to, you know, I get it, you get it, Wally. I want to try to help other people get it, and I share yep. a lot of like my my fan page. I post my gecko pictures, but on my personal page, which is also Dave's Fine Geckos, I always post like positive, inspirational quotes and stuff because you know what? The way yeah. I look at it is. The more people that read these positive things, it can't hurt. It's not going to create negativity. You know what I mean? Um, yes, so absolutely. And you're right. There's, there's, yes, there's people in this. There are vendors in in this hobby that absolutely positively get it. You have some outstanding guests on the show, and I'm going to uh, do a quick, real quick shout out to. Uh, uh, Golden Gate Geckos and Marcy, and she just she's the person that I look at all the time and say she just absolutely gets it, and she's gotten it for years and years, and and she's passed that on to many many people, and she's one. And there's there's so many other examples of people that are that that also have that same philosophy of you know if we all help the hobby, then we'll all be better off for it, and and the the uh, people. Uh, owning animals will will be better off for it, and you know it all comes to to that basic philosophy of you know kind of you know paying it forward and 
and helping out. We're all going to have bad experiences, and we're all going to be uh, uh, not so willing to pay it forward at times with other people. But, you know, those are rare situations, I think. Um, and I think that the more common situation is is the camaraderie and, and the willingness to, to help each other out. At least, that, that you know, that's what I've found. I know. It's, and it's refreshing. that Whenever I find another person that gets it like that, it's, it's like, wow. You know, another you know another person that gets it is what it is, and it, it's just it's it's awesome. Um, it makes everything Absolutely. worthwhile. I mean, a lot. You know, definitely everybody out there that's listening, try to try to find the people in this that uh, make you feel good. You know, and I don't know, it, it just comes back to you. So uh, I'm glad we were able to touch on that, Wally. Um, let's get back to the crested. Um, sure. You know, as far as as far as their care goes. Now I have my one crested, and he's in my gecko room. And I, my gecko room stays about seventy-eight to eighty degrees, so I'm not worried about his temperature. He's he's very active and eats well. Um, but I'm, eventually, I'm going to find a female for him, and I want to breed him. Uh, what are we looking at as far as breeding? Is it a difficult process? And um, when can I expect a female to be ovulating? And at what size is she ready to go? It's it's really a simple matter of introducing, in most cases, like anything else, give the animals the right um, conditions, temperature, food, water, size of enclosure, and right timing, and the animals are going to breed. Um, people ask me about um, sizes, and I always say that you, your female should be at least about 42 grams. Um, males, males, if you know it's a male, it's a male. And, and they're willing to breed as long as there's not so much of a, a size difference between the male and female. Um, the right size of enclosure, I like to use 20-gallon equivalents. I, like, I love the 20 highs or the 20 extra highs. We do a lot of um, glass tanks. We do a lot of plastic tubs, and those work out fantastically well. Um, mm-hmm. Tried screens for us. For, for our facility, screens just don't work. Um, it just takes so much time trying to keep the humidity up, and, and not so much trying to keep a, a set uh, humidity, but just that bouncing from super, super dry in the winter to, you know, rainforest when I miss to back to bone dry in a couple of hours. So we've moved away from the screen tanks, but uh, we use a lot of the, the plastic in the glass. But um, feeding, you know, we do the, the Rapashi or any of the other um, crusty gecko diets, um, three times a week, and then we do the insects um, over the weekend. Uh, temperatures, as long as your temperatures are in the mid-70s to about 79, 80, 80 is about the max, and I and crusted geckos do okay at 80, but it's just that, um, that range of uh, getting up into the 82, 84 where, where they start stressing out, that, that boundary is starting to be approached, if, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So we try mm-hmm. to keep our crusteds around the 76, 78 degrees, somewhere around there. Not very specific. If you're um, too cold, they're probably too cold. If you're a little warm, they're a little bit warm. But, again, with the right conditions, uh, we introduce our males and females in the springtime, springtime here, in Wisconsin is around uh, April, May-ish, um, so we're always late with our, our breeding. Um, but uh, most people start getting eggs around the March-ish, April range. 
and they'll go until the fall. Uh, we're fortunate with our facility that it's in the basement, and we have a very natural cooling period. Um, we're down to uh, not getting any eggs right now. And again, we probably won't until, you know, the late spring, um, early summer. But again, they'll, they'll lay two eggs, and they'll lay over a period of around six to eight months. Uh, some people say that they'll lay year-round, um, but again, we, we cool them off. And a kind of an interesting fact that a lot of people will say, well, you have to separate the, the males and females, so that it gives the females a chance to uh, recoup and build up their strength and build up their weight and everything. And I had a close friend years ago say, well, that's not really why you want to separate them. You want to separate them because the males, when they're in with the females, won't think about anything else other than breeding, and they'll lose weight. And by the fall, ah. the males will be so thin. And, you know, I thought, that's such an obscure, crazy idea. But that very first year, I kind of kept it in the back of my mind, and sure enough, all of my, fem- all of my males were, had lost probably 25% body weight. Uh, very busy boys. So um, luckily, again, you know, we cool down and breeding activity stops. The males start concentrating more on eating. And uh, by the springtime, they're, they're fat little boys again and ready to go. So it's really not difficult to breed crusty geckos. Um, but again, you know, do your research. Go on the webpage. Um, like you alluded to before, find a couple of breeders that are breeding crusty geckos. Get the information from them compare notes, go with what makes sense to you. Yep. Yeah, excellent advice. All right, Wally, we're going to take a break, and I'm going to play our sponsor plug. And uh, when we get back, I am going to ask you about, I'm going to ask you the question, what is a frog butt? (laughs) So hang tight, everybody, and we will be right back. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. Gecko Nation Radio is sponsored by abdragons.com. is your source for the highest quality doobie roaches. Whether you're starting a colony of your own or just need feeders for your insect-eating herps, abdragons.com can't be beat in quality or price. They are also a huge distributor of FlexWatt Reptile Heat Tape and have very competitive pricing. Check out abdragons.com online and on Facebook. And if you're looking for quality food for your dubia roaches, crickets, mealworms, and superworms, look no further than MS2 Premium Insect Chow. Made with reptiles in mind, it contains no dog food, cat food, or chicken mash. Using only vegetable proteins and high-quality ingredients, MS2 Premium Insect Chow will have your feeders making a beeline for it. Contact ms2ent.weebly.com or it can also be purchased at Rainbow Mealworms and AB Dragons. Rainbow Mealworms is the largest worm grower in the world and selling to the public since 1956. If you need the highest quality mealworms, superworms, and crickets for your pets, contact them at www. .rainbowmealworms.net Dale's Bearded Dragons is your one-stop source for any reptile supply products that you may need from Exoterra, Zoomed, Rapashi, Repcal, Fluker, and much, much more and all at 20-50% to 50% cheaper than your local pet store or big chain pet store. They are also the biggest reptile supply distributor at most of the Northeast Expos. 
contact them directly online at dalesbeardeddragons.com or message me on Facebook and I'll put you in touch with the owner. Gecko Boa Reptiles is your source for the highest quality leopard gecko morphs and wild types, from white and yellows to radars, amazing tremper morphs, and rare subspecies. John is a world-class breeder and extremely knowledgeable. If you're looking for something truly special in geckos, contact John Scarborough at geckoboa.com and on Facebook. Okay, everybody, we are back. Something that I definitely want to make sure everybody knows about, um, Rainbow Mealworms. And Jillian Spence from Rainbow Mealworms is giving a special Gecko Nation radio listeners, and it's only good until the first of the year. So it's good for the rest of December, and that's it. Um, go on rainbowmealworms.net, and don't get confused. Um, there is no rainbowmealworms.com. Um, it's rainbowmealworms.net, or you can find them at rainbowworms.com. The coupon is for $10, and when you go at checkout, type in Gecko Nation, all in caps, okay? And if you're having a hard time finding the link, it's in the Gecko Nation group. All right, just so you guys know. Um, all right, so we're going to get back into our discussion uh, with Wally, but I also want to let you guys know that um, we're going to be on for another half hour or so, and now is your time to call in with your questions about any type of geckos that you'd like to talk about uh, with Wally and I. All right, so call in. I think Wally's going to be doing a special uh, special prizes for some listeners tonight. So let's bring Wally back. Uh, Wally, before we get into into the frog butts, uh, uh, did you want to give uh, a prize or something to the, to a listener? Sure. Um, let's do that. For any listener um, is uh, interested in ke- keeping crested geckos or is keeping creco- crested geckos currently, um, how about if I offer a, a free bag shipped of 16-ounce uh, uh, Rapashi or Clark's Diet or Pangea Complete Mix or Big Fat Geckos? Um, okay, cool. I, I don't know if you... Do you have a question that you would like to ask or if you want me to uh, offer up a question? Well, I think what we'll do is we'll, um, we will uh, have it for people that call in, and um, I'll do a raffle after the show ends. I'll put it in a random name generator. I'll keep track of who calls in with their questions, and um, it usually works out well that way, and then I'll um, announce the winner in the group uh, tomorrow afternoon, and then they can contact Perfect. Okay. Sounds All right, good. Cool. Our, all right, but I have a caller on the line, but I want to know, before I take this call, I want to know what a frog butt is. A frog butt. Um, well, the last I looked it up, the definition of a frog butt is the name you refer to an ex-girlfriend that gets you slapped. <laughs> is, is that it, or am I close? <laughs> no. No, I don't oh, think so. <laughs> I thought I was right on with that one. Uh, it's close, but it's 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 a little different. I'm I'm talking about the frog butts with the crested. <laughs> oh, crested gecko frog butts. Um, <laughs> here's the thing, here's the thing with frog butts with uh, uh, crested geckos. Um, when they first came into the country, um, the crested geckos that came in didn't have tails at all, and the the people that went over, um, I think Frank Fast was one of those people, if I remember right, um, uh, found that in nature no crusty gecko has a tail. It, it was almost impossible. It was impossible to find crusty geckos with tail. So they weren't sure if 
you know, what was going on, if the, the crested geckos actually had tails or not. So the very first breeding season, obviously, they're getting crested gecko babies with tails that establish that, <laughs> you know, crested geckos do actually have tails. But um, like any, you know, like most lizards, um, if they're frightened or feel threatened, the crested gecko will drop its tail. Um, mm-hmm. And it doesn't happen um, predictably. Um, the very first um, nice crested gecko that I took a picture of, uh, it was at night, and you know I was shining, you know, a flashlight in the tank and pulled one out to take a picture. It looked so beautiful. Uh, hit the flash, the gecko kind of freaked out and squirmed a little bit, and plop, there goes the tail. So it, it's more of a reaction. It's not so much of a physical. Um, pulling abuse, you know, pulling on the tail. Um, I take mm-hmm. a, a, one of my crusty gecko speckles to shows, and I show people that while it, it's, um, it can happen, it's not something that will happen with, you know, just playing with the gecko and, and uh, having it use its tail and the tail just comes off. It's more of a, um, a fright kind of stimulant that will make them drop their tails. But a lot of people mm-hmm. like the frog butts, uh, a crusty gecko without a tail. A lot of people will, you know, look at that and and think that that's a cute little little crested gecko, especially when they don't have the tails and they're hopping and look like frogs. Um, and, the, and the tails don't grow back, right? Tails don't. Good point. Good point. The tails don't grow back at all. So that is a concern for you know some people. We have a few crusteds without the tails, um, but not many. Um, but you know that is a fact that they will um, occasionally drop them and, and not grow them back. It doesn't affect their breeding whatsoever. So, uh, you know, if you're looking at a beautiful animal and and uh, considering not buying it because it doesn't have a tail, you know, that, that shouldn't really be uh, part of the consideration unless you just really want a full collection with crusteds with tails. I think the frog... That's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, you, you know, you would think that, uh, you know, with leopard geckos, I think it would be difficult for a male leopard gecko to... Uh, copulate with a female if they can't wrap the tail underneath. Um, but I guess you're saying that the males with no tails have no problem uh, breeding with female crusties then, huh? Not at all. Not that I found, at least. I don't know if anybody else is, has any experience mm-hmm. with that. But okay. I've, And again, in nature, um, as you know, we're indicating here, you just don't see any at all with, with tails. It's just not a common okay. thing at all. They, they just don't have tails in nature at all. Interesting. All right, cool. Yeah. All right, we're going to take the first caller. We have um, two callers online so far. Caller from the uh, 347 area code. You are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Caller, are you there? Oh, I can't hear them. I'm going to go to the next one. Caller from the 253 area code. You're live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hi, guys. This is Elsa Borzoi. Oh, hi. How's it going? I'm going okay. I was wondering, uh, Wally, uh, do you do much with uh, uh, tokes and toke morphs? I don't. Um, That's a species that, uh, a genus that I haven't worked with. Um, I love their colors. I love the, the... translucent blues that they're coming out with and all the different uh, color morphs that are coming out with tokes. But, um, you know, I've kind of diversified my collection. But for some reason, tokes is just an animal that, that hasn't uh, gotten into our facility just yet. But I'm sure that if I did, 
my collection would expand uh, substantially because they are beautiful animals. Oh, well, they're not for everyone. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, and, and, just for, and just for the record, here's what a toke sounds like just before it's about to bite you. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. That's oh, what was your okay. name again, caller? Uh, Elsa Borzoi from, from Facebook. Elsa, right. Okay, cool. I got you written down. Thanks for calling in, yeah. Elsa. Thanks uh-huh. for calling, calling in. All right. I'm going to try to take that other call again. They're on the line again. Let's see if we can get them. Uh, caller from the 347. Let's try you again. You there? Nope. Okay. I think they were calling in for the silent auction. Silent auction? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I know, right? Well, I gave, him, I gave it two shots, so, you know, you can't blame me for that. Now, one of the other things uh, that I'd like to ask you about uh, the Cresties, um, now, I, I use the, uh, the Rapache diet for mine, and it works out great. My guys eat it all the time, and um, I also throw in some yorms and eat them every once in a while. It's not really too keen on them. Um, have you found that they prefer any different types of live food as well as the, the uh, Crested Gecko diet, Wally? I try a, a variety of uh, live foods. Um, like I was saying before, I feed at least once a, a week, usually over the weekend, so I remember what day I'm feeding. Um, but I'll mm-hmm. throw in usually about three or four crickets per uh, animal. But uh, I've occasionally thrown in mealworms, and some like the mealworms, some don't. Uh, mealworms will crawl around for three or four days, and I'll finally take them out and, and throw them away. The other crusty geckos just devour the mealworms. Um, I'm just now getting back into dubias, and we'll start feeding dubias probably within the next couple of weeks to, to uh, see how they like the dubia roaches. But I hear other people that are feeding their crusteds the dubias and uh, hearing that the, the crusteds just love dubia roaches. So, again, I'll try that in the next couple of weeks. But crickets are a, a non-fail kind of uh, insect to feed. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm going to try some dubious, too. Um, now, you know, it, it, for me, it's so easy. If I can get all my geckos eating mealworms, it just makes my life easy. Um, you know, because yeah. I have to order 30,000 of them every two weeks now. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, um, it's crazy. But, um, you know, one of the other species that I have here, and I only have a male, I'm looking to get a female soon, is uh, an E. agricoli. And uh, what, what I found fascinating about this little gecko is um, I'm not too crazy about the fact that they're so tiny, but when I look at this little guy, it to me, it looks like one of those, it's got the face of kind of like a velociraptor from Jurassic Park. And it's so cool looking. Um, you work with these too, don't you? I do. I have a trio. I have, um, I have all of my animals in the basement. Um, I have rack systems and some display tanks down there, but I only have two tanks upstairs. I have uh, 12 by 12 by 18 exoterras, and I have a female in one and a uh, male and female in the other, and I'll switch out the male from tank to tank. Um, and that's the only animals I have upstairs. And, again, just like you were saying, they're fascinating animals. They're, they're beautiful to look at. They're very unique um, animals in how they uh, walk around, how they feed. The cool thing about them is they're almost identical um, to crested geckos as far as care is concerned. Their temperatures are very similar. They eat the uh, crested gecko diet. Um, 
that you can keep them in small enclosures. You you obviously know that I like the micro gecko, so this falls right in line with with uh, my preference there too. Um, super easy to take care of. Um, a little bit of uh, plastic plants, some climbing branches, and that's pretty much all that you need. Um, really cool animals to work with. Uh, let me ask you this: um, with the with the agricolis, uh, when they hatch out, exactly how small are they? Well, they're smaller than a crusted gecko egg or a crusted gecko baby, obviously. Um, they're about in, in a little bit less than an inch long, about an inch long or so. Um, but the cool thing about them, again, is, you know, I, I'm working with a lot of the micro geckos, and they'll hatch out to be about the size of your, your fingernail on your pinky finger. Um, but they need those fine, very, very small um, live foods, insects. So you always have to keep a, a supply on hand, micro mealworms or newborn crickets or isopods or flightless fruit flies or something like that. For the agricoli, however, you know, they'll eat the diet right away. So that's a plus in their, in their favor right away. They're small, but you can keep them in, you know, plastic containers, um, a small shoebox, give them some, you know, peat moss, some, some uh, substrate that will absorb a little bit of moisture, and then just feed them the, the uh, crusted gecko diet and some small insects once in a while, then they'll do fine. Yeah, my little guy takes uh, small mealworms right from tweezers, which is cool. Uh, but I always give Very him, uh, the crested gecko diet too. Yeah. Um, yeah as far as it, the micro geckos go, Wally, um, what is it about these little guys that you like so much? And uh, what are your favorite species to work with? Oh gosh. Um, the reason I like them so much is that I think that, that people that keep dart frogs will appreciate this and relate to this. Um, these micro geckos can be kept in really small enclosures. So I guess that's an obvious statement. Um, so some of these uh, genuses, some of the species can be kept in as small of an enclosure as a two-gallon uh, tank. That means that you can have a lot of two-gallon or three-gallon or five-gallon tanks in a very, very small location in your, your facility. So, um, you know, uh, people that really get into the dart frogs, they, <laughs> I guess this is a common theme of the show, you start with one or two, and then, then all of a sudden you have two dozen, you know, overnight. Right. Uh, same, <laughs> same with micro geckos. You know, I, you start with a couple, and all of a sudden your fascination is, is on these um, daytime uh, geckos. They're, they're more active during the day than they are at night, obviously. But um, all of a sudden you have all these enclosures in a very, very small space. So that's the good news. You know, the good news is that they're small. You can keep a lot of animals in a small space. The bad news is that they're small and they require really teeny tiny food and they require enclosures that you can't have an animal get out of. You know, you really have to be very, very careful with the enclosures and making sure that any gaps or, or spaces or holes or anything is taken care of before you try to start keeping them. I think they're fascinating just from their behavior. You know, a lot of people are keeping the uh, the dago geckos, the Madagascarensis, uh, the standing eye, you know, the felsumas, or even the clemmeri are becoming more and more popular. But these are very similar to those day geckos. Again, they're they're out during the day. Uh, they're more active. They have really unique behaviors that you don't see in leopard geckos and crested geckos. They do the head bobbing and they'll chase each other around the enclosure and 
they'll actually you know talk a little bit, uh, little squeaks and all. Um, but you know the the behavior is, is something that you know I'll find myself I'll, I'll do my feedings with crustids and move animals and leopard geckos and look at you know the morphs and what I'm breeding. But then I'll spend the rest of the time just staring at the the little day geckos, these little micro geckos, and watching their behavior. Just a you know it, it's fascinating to see what they're doing. You know, I guess my favorite. Go ahead. Yeah, go sorry. ahead. Oh, um, no, no, my wait, favorite. Wait, I would. Yeah, let's hear your favorite. Sure, sure. Um, I think my favorite. I've got two favorites, I guess. Um, one is uh, Ligodactylus Williams eye. It's more commonly commonly known as the electric blue, and it's just as mm-hmm. blue as any blue that you could ever ever imagine. And there's, you know, the good thing about the Williams eye is that there's examples of this animal on on uh, different web pages and certainly YouTube if anybody gets a chance you know go out there and look up electric blue it's just a brilliant brilliant colored animal and again they're small only a couple two and a half inches long so that's one of my favorites because they glow they really do they're there's something that if even at their size if you walk into somebody's uh, room that has electric blues you'll notice them from across the room they're just that outstanding the second animal, uh, and this is kind of a little bit obscure, but um, I'll put it out there because it's just incredible, and if somebody has a chance to go on Google look these animals up, is uh, Spirodactylus torii. And the neat thing about these animals, and again, they're very small. I keep uh, a pair in a, I think it's a two-gallon cube. And uh, the unique thing about them is the females are yellow-based uh, body color with black bars. Uh, all through the body, so they look like little bumblebees. The, and they're just striking how distinctive these colors are. So the females are just gorgeous. What's cool is the males are almost this translucent blue in their body, and their tails and their heads are a glowing red. So, again, if anybody you know is interested in these micro geckos, take a minute, go to Google, and look up Spirodactylus torii. And it'll knock your socks off. I'm trying to find them on your photo album. I'm sure they're in here somewhere. <laughs> I'm sure um, they're in there you somewhere. Were, you were saying about how um, what what you find appealing about these little guys, and, and it brought back a really fond memory for me when I was younger. Um, I learned a lot about lizard behavior by watching a community of anoles that I had in a 20-gallon high and this is going back when I was eight years old, so probably like 30 years ago now. I'm 38, everybody. Um, so I'm going to be 38 <laughs> in April. But, um, it, you know, Wally, I was one of those kids. I was different than everybody else. Like, I learned I learned patience at a young age because um, I would sit in front of this tank, and, you know, they wouldn't start moving around until they felt secure. They were looking at me. So I literally had to uh, turn the lights off in the room and only have the, the tank light on. And I would have to sit there very still and very quiet for probably a good 20 minutes before they would feel comfortable to start going about their their um, their lifestyle and their routines. And, uh, of course, you know, I would see the, the, the all the, the, you know, the dewlaps, the bopping of the heads, the, the twitching that they do, the way they communicate. And as a young kid, that was fascinating for me. And I think a lot of people, a lot of young kids today, missing are missing out on that experience and like a lot of people ask me dave what's a good starter pet and of course i always tell them leopard geckos because they are they're easy um mm-hmm. but i also always i always recommend the anoles too 
But um, yes, you know, I I can totally appreciate what what you find uh, so appealing about these little guys. And I, I think I'm going to be branching off into them a little bit. I have a few here. Um, I, I do have a very special fondness for the day geckos, of course. Um, mm-hmm. Have you ever have you ever bred Madagascar uh, day geckos? I have the giants. Um, I oh, it, this is going back about four years ago, and you know my my taste, my preferences have changed uh, quite a bit over the years. But there was a time where I was keeping five or six different species of the the Felsuma, and uh, mm-hmm. it's a wonderful genus to work with because of all the different colors. But they're all pretty much very similar in in behaviors, and and they're great animals to keep. Um, I, I bred uh, the Madagarensis. Um, I, I had two pairs, one a, a more high red uh, color on the back. And we had a tank, you know, I've got to mention real quick, we had a tank upstairs um, that was about a 50-gallon, and we had a horizontal uh, branch right under the light. And at night, I would turn off the TV, and I'm a huge sports fan. For me to turn off a sports, a hockey game or a baseball game is something else, but... I would turn off the TV because these animals would chase each other around the tank, stop on this branch, nose to nose, do the whole head bobbing and all the squawking and barking, and they'd sit there and look at each other for about five seconds, and then one would touch the other one's nose, and around and around the tank they'd go again, and only to find themselves right back on the same branch looking at each other. So when you talk about you know your fascination as an eight-year-old, I guess I have that same fascination as a 50-year-old watching these animals. And I I completely agree. I think that, you know, it it takes patience. It takes learning. It takes an appreciation of these animals. But, you know, you're right on with that, the fact that you have to just, you know, stop what you're doing and move really, really slow and really focus on these animals. And they don't feel comfortable until they feel comfortable. But once they do you know, they show off all of these these behaviors, and, and that's where we learn. You know, I, I think you and I, Wally, and people like us that that started out like that, and I think you and I and um, some of the, the uh, you know, the more or less, uh, I don't know, older guys, I'd say, well, I don't know if we're old, but, you know, we're the, the other generation, and, you know, it was kind of like a rite of passage for us that, not only did we go try to seek out reptiles in our own area, but we really, we really had to teach ourselves how to do this. We had to read books. We had to, we really had to find that information. We had to, we had to earn it. And you know, information is readily available today, but I don't think people uh, absorb it like, like we do. You know, I, I think there's like a, um, I don't know. It's like it's a mentality that oh, you know, I don't have to really comprehend this because I can just Google it again. You know what I mean? Yes, um, yes, absolutely. We, we, we learned it the right way and the best way, I think. And for your, your listeners out that? there, I, I, I 100% agree. For your listeners out there, I, I tell this to people at, at the reptile shows, the great thing about the Internet is you can find anything that you want, um, any piece of information that you want to find on the Internet, you can find it. The bad thing about the Internet is you can find any piece of information that you want on the internet. <laughs> so if you looked up leopard geckos and sand, you'll find a hundred posts that say, oh my God, don't use sand and terrible impaction, blah, blah, blah. But you can also go on the internet and you can find a hundred posts that say, I've never had an issue with sand and sand is good and God bless sand. And so 
the point there is that you have to think about it and you have to ask people, people that are keeping leopard geckos, go to David and ask him. Don't 100% believe him. Don't go to Wally Kern and ask him and 100% believe everything that Wally Kern is saying. Ask both of them and compare notes. And in your mind, make the judgment call, make the decision that, that makes sense to you. So, you know, you can. the Internet's a great place, but it's also a very, very bad place too. There's tons and tons of bad information on the Internet. Find a, a couple of breeders that, that have been doing this for a while and talk to them. Meet them at shows. You know, White Plains is a great show. I've heard so many good things about that show. Meet a vendor at White Plains and sit there. Wait until, you know, a little bit after the show starts, and then, you know, when it calms down a little bit, pick their brains and get the information from these vendors and, and learn from their experience. You should hitch a ride to the White Plains show with Brian Barczyk one day. I would love that. I think that that would be a blast. I know there's a couple of uh, great people out there. Um, I think Nick Esposito uh, does the White Plains occasionally, and um, I've heard it's a great show. It really is. I, I enjoy it. I'm, I'm so. I finally got my own table. I was on the list for uh, a couple of years now, and I was sharing a table with uh, my friend Bob. Um, wow. It, it really is. It's an incredible show. It really is. Like, it's uh, yeah, you got the best of the best there, and um, I don't know. It's just a great atmosphere, and I don't know. It's just a lot of fun. It really is. Um, I hope you can make it out, even if you come out just to you know check it out one day, uh, Wally. That'd be really cool. Just to say hi, <laughs> uh, right? Um, yeah. All right. Well, I know your time. I know your time is limited, and you wanted to do an hour and a half with us. Um, we're getting. We're just about at that time. Um, I'd like to give you the opportunity now. First, I'd like to say, Wally, you have an open invitation to come back anytime. In fact, you can just message me on Facebook and say, Dave, um, I have some things that I'd like to announce or. Um, I got something really cool that we could talk about, and we can do a show anytime you want, even on a Tuesday. I do extra shows now on Tuesdays. So I just want you to know that and extend that to you, Wally. Well, I appreciate and, that. Uh, I mean, you guys, and I'm, I'm 100% serious here, you guys are doing the right thing with your show. You're bringing in the right people. You're bringing in great, knowledgeable people, and you're sharing the information. So I feel privileged to be a part of this and, and be on this show. I, again, in all sincerity, um, way to go, and keep up the good work. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Um, I want to give you this opportunity now to, um, you know, mention any closing remarks that you'd like to, to make and any announcements that you have for the new year, of course. Uh, go right ahead, Wally. Sounds good. I'll, I'll not take too much of your time here, but I do want to point out a couple of things. And I think that people realize that I don't do a lot of promotion on the Internet. I don't like to... to put, you know, sales out there and, hey, I have this beautiful animal, come buy it. Um, but I do want to mention real quick, we are doing, we're almost at the end of a special event, and you had mentioned this earlier, it's called the 12 Supreme Days of Christmas, and this is our fourth yes. year, and it's been such a blast. Um, this, the first year it started, I gave away 12 prizes, 12 gifts, and I had people doing different things like going to vendors' pages and and posting, you know, their experience with the vendor, and all it, it's all good. And uh, this year we've had, it's kind of getting tricky because it was supposed to be 12 gifts, and it turned out to be about 30 gifts. 
And uh, people are saying, well, you should have a 365 supreme days of Christmas next year. <laughs> um, it's it's been more than successful simply because you know vendors are reaching out and. It's not a promotion for them. I don't feel deep down that they're doing this as a promotion for the business, although that it is great exposure, but they're doing it to give back to the community, all the vendors that are participating. Um, Richard, if, I don't, if you don't mind, Richard Allen from uh, Reptile Raptures, uh, Jim Selflug from uh, Southwest uh, Wisconsin Reptiles, uh, Captain Bread uh, Specialties, uh, Ryan Hill. I, boy, I can't. Think of all the different vendors right now, LLL Reptiles. Uh, Marcy, um, what a great product. I want to throw this in there. Uh, MS2 Enterprises, the, the insect chow. Oh, my God. Roach my insect chow. My insect roach chow. Roach. Sorry. Um, so that, that's okay. So <laughs> we're at our last uh, two days. The two prizes are two gifts. Um, the first one is uh, two different prizes, two gifts, uh, two $50 gift certificates to uh, Southwest Wisconsin Reptiles uh, for your people that are interested in snakes. And the last is um, uh, 12 by 12 by 18 Exoterra. So you can enter by going to the SupremeGecko.com uh, website and just fi find the 12 Supreme Days of Christmas. Um, again, it's been a blast. It's, I feel special for us to be able to do this, and uh, I hope this is just the, the start of something even bigger. So thanks for the opportunity to, to share that. Awesome, and thanks again for having me a part of the 12 Days of Christmas, too. I really appreciate that. And I'll be happy to And I forgot to mention you as a, I forgot to mention you as one of the great uh, vendors that have uh, donated uh, for this well, special okay. event. Thank you very much. Yeah, and it's... Yeah, of course. And, and, yeah, you know, I'm not even thinking of it as, like, a promotional type thing, you know. I just figured, what the hell, you know. It's, I'm always giving away free geckos anyway while, you know, giving stuff away all the time. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I, I and, love again, that. that's the spirit. I think that's the spirit of every single vendor here. So, again, I really appreciate it. And uh, for awesome. all your listeners, I, I wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Yep, absolutely. And I hope your family and you have a great uh, Christmas and uh, New Year also, Wally. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. All right. Take care. All right, everybody. Um, wow. Another great episode. Uh, Wally definitely gets it. He definitely does. And, you know, this is, this is, you can make money out there being competitive, uh, being, I don't know, picking fights with other people. You can make money being a jerk or you can make money being a good person. It's, it depends on what you want to be. What kind of person do you want to be? How do you want to do it? You can make money scamming people. You can make money doing things the right way, honestly. Okay? It's what's inside of you. What kind of person are you? All right? Um, I want to tell everybody right now that I am completely completely impressed and amazed that we haven't had any drama, criticizing, or negative behavior in the Gecko Nation group. Um, that is rare for Facebook groups, and I think we're coming up on like a 1,000 members now. And um, I just want to thank all of you for really just doing your best and being your best uh, towards each other. It's, it's an amazing thing. 
It really is. Um, I don't know. I I just I'm shocked. I never thought it would go so well. In fact, I kind of like feel like getting a calendar and like xing off the days. How many days? No problems in Gecko Nation. Because I don't even know how many days we got that group going now for, but it, we're doing so well with it. So thank you, everybody. Um, I'm going to play the outro, and uh, I'm going to come back with my closing remarks, and then I'm going to play a cool song. So check it out. Gecko Nation Radio is a David Spine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. The jazz music you heard tonight was generously donated and created by Jeremy Turgeon of J&D Reptiles. Thank you very much, Jeremy, for the great musical pieces. You can check out Jeremy at J&D Reptiles on YouTube and on Facebook. And a very special thank you to our news anchor, graphic designer, and audio tech, Steve Barker. All the graphics, audio sponsor plugs, and music overlays were assembled by Steve. Check out Steve on YouTube at BC Barker Creations. He has some terrific videos for the herb community with amazing geckos and snakes. Please support the U.S. Herpetocultural Alliance. They are our most effective defense against legislation that threatens our rights of exotic animal ownership. Sign up for their newsletter and donate if you can at usherp.org. Okay, I'd like to congratulate Elsa. Elsa, you are the winner of the Crested Gecko Diet from Wally. Um, I wish there's like a, I don't know, 30 people in the chat room. How come more of you guys didn't call in? I know all you guys are scared. Don't, don't be scared. Call in. We love callers. Um, it's, it's fun, and you get to be immortalized on the air forever. Um, and believe me, Gecko Nation Radio will not go the way of the lost episodes of Gecko Land. I promise you that. Um, wow, awesome. Thanks, everybody, for, for being in the chat room tonight. Um, next week, this upcoming uh, show, this upcoming Sunday, we have Jeremy Turgeon from J&B Reptiles, another great uh, breeder and hobbyist in the community. Um, Jeremy is the one that lends his music to our sponsor plugs and um, just another positive force in the reptile world. This is what we need more of, everyone. Um, what else did I want to tell you guys? Oh, of course. Before I forget, uh, we haven't made the new outro plug yet to include the USR um, support, but I, as you guys know, it's important. You know, we support USR and Herp Alliance. Uh, Herp Alliance isn't going to be doing so much advocacy anymore, but they're still going to be a wealth of knowledge for people that want to, you know, take the reins and learn how to do your own uh, advocacy. Because, you know, USR is going to be handling things on the federal level, but they, you know, you may not, they may not have the time or the, uh, the, um, the efforts available to uh, do state and local stuff, I'm, I'm assuming. Um, if, if they can, that would be awesome. But it's going to be up to us to protect our rights on a local level. You know, Steve has a town right next to him that uh, has banned all reptiles, okay? And this could happen in your hometown. And if you're, and they, they pass these things when nobody's, nobody's thinking about or, you know, it's over Thanksgiving, they, they write these laws into effect. So if somebody's paying attention, tomorrow, you know, you, you, owning a snake or a frog could be illegal. You never know. So you gotta be, you got to be in it to understand. you got to be up to date with the information in your local and state level. So pay attention, everyone. The best way to do that 
is to keep up to date with the U.S. Herp Alliance newsletter and uh, follow Andrew's blog, okay, and also keep up to date with your local um, municipalities and do your research and find out if there's any uh, already established organizations in your state that you could join and help out. All right. Um, now USARC has filed the lawsuit. That is huge. You know what that means? That means that they're saying, all right, we're serious. We're not playing around anymore. We're not going to let you keep coming at us. We're going to – this is a precedent they're setting now. Um, you know, it's, it's a good thing. It really is. Um, you know, sometimes that, – that's what lawyers are there for, everybody. You know, you could be doing everything perfect, okay, 100% perfect. You could be the best, nicest, uh, most righteous person in the world, okay, and you could still have problems with competitors or people that just aren't going to like you. They're going to come at you. They're going to try to affect your business. We see it all the time on Facebook. They're going to try to affect uh, your character. They're going to say terrible things about you. That's what lawyers are for. Save your money. Someday you're going to need one, okay? And U.S. ARC is taking the reins, and they're fighting back, okay? Because these organizations, they don't understand us. They don't understand how we love our animals and how we care for them and how, how much they mean to us. They just... They, you know, they don't get that. They're out to kill it. They're out to kill our whole thing. Let's not let them do it. The, the only thing, the way that we can fight them and the way that we can help is with money because that's, that's how the world works today. So please, everyone, send what you can to U.S. ARC to the Legal Defense Fund, www.usarc.org. All right, everybody, I've been talking enough by myself, and I could probably talk for another hour and a half, and maybe one of these days I'll just see if I can just do a whole show just talking. There's a lot of talk shows out there that can talk for two hours by themselves, and maybe I can pull that off one day. We'll see. But um, until then, I'm going to go have a cup of coffee and relax for a little bit. One crazy day out there shopping and stuff. Um, and this song is for Carla. Everybody, I want to thank you once again for being with us tonight. Until next time, and I guess Christmas will come before the next show. I want to wish all of you guys a Merry Christmas. Oh, yeah, that's one last thing. Um, I really want to do a special Christmas show for uh, people out there that either their families are distant or they're going to be alone on Christmas Day or maybe they have so many problems with their family, they don't want to be with their families, they want to be alone. Um, I want to do a special show for all you guys that are that are in those situations. I want to do it from... 2 p.m. to 4 p.m., but I need people that are going to want to call in and talk with me. It doesn't have to be a big breeder. Doesn't, I mean, that would be great if some of the well-known breeders want to contribute, you know, 20 minutes of their time or whatever to call in. Uh, but even you guys, uh, if you guys like to call in and talk, and we can talk geckos for a couple of hours. I'd be happy to do it. All right? If you want to call in and you're definitely going to do it, uh, comment on the post that I made in the Gecko Nation group. All right, everyone? All right, have a good night. Until next time. The world is a vampire.